Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading Acts chapter 9 from the World English Bible. But Saul, still breathing threats and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he traveled, he got close to Damascus, and suddenly a light from the sky shone around him. He fell on the earth and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He said, Who are you, Lord? The Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise up and enter into the city, then you will be told what you must do. The men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the sound but seeing no one. Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. They led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. He was without sight for three days, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he said, Behold, it's me, Lord. The Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judah for one named Saul, a man of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying, and in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and laying his hands on him, that he might receive his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he did to your saints at Jerusalem. Here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go your way, for he is my chosen vessel to bear my name before the nations and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Ananias departed and entered into the house. Laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he received his sight. He arose and was baptized. He took food and was strengthened. Saul stayed several days with the disciples who were at Damascus. Immediately in the synagogues he proclaimed the Christ, that he is the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed and said, Isn't this he who in Jerusalem made havoc of those who called on this name? And he had come here intending to bring them bound before the chief priests. But Saul increased more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived at Damascus, proving that this is the Christ. When many days were fulfilled, the Jews conspired together to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They watched the gates both day and night that they might kill him, but his disciples took him by night and let him down through the wall, lowering him in a basket. 
When Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the way, and that he had spoken to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. He was with them entering into Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus. He spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. When the brothers knew it, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So the assemblies throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were built up. They were multiplied, walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. As Peter went throughout all those parts, he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. There he found a certain man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden for eight years because he was paralyzed. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. Immediately he arose. All who lived at Lydda and in Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which when translated means Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and acts of mercy, which she did. In those days she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. As Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Peter got up and went with them. When he had come, they brought him into the upper room. All the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. Peter sent them all out and knelt down and prayed. Turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and raised her up. Calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. This became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. He stayed many days in Joppa with a tanner named Simon. That is the end of chapter 9. So, Saul is not being sneaky. He's not like intellectually detached. He is openly threatening the believers with violent death, which which is what slaughter implies. Now, I looked up breathing threats in Strong's Dictionary, and it seems to mean that he was animated by this. It's not just that he was saying this, but he was dedicating his life's energy to this, and it was giving his life meaning. It was filling him with passion. The word that is translated slaughter here is the same word used to mean murders, uh, particularly in Matthew 15, 19, when Jesus says, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and blasphemies. So this does give a very strong picture of where Saul is coming from at this point. Now, at this point, Even Saul is referring to those who trust in the name of Jesus as those who walk in this way, uh, regarding Jesus saying, I am the way. And apparently there are already enough believers in Damascus for him to come on a special trip here in his murderous rage. 
This is the second time in Acts that women are clearly mentioned as victims. Uh, They're not just hunting down the men as responsible heads of households. And Paul himself mentions in Acts 22.4 that he hunted down women also, like this is evidence of his barbarity. What is very clear is that he is not apathetic to the gospel or even what we might call an armchair warrior. He is full battle on enemy in a rage. And then he has this mind-blowing experience on the road to Damascus. In verse 5, Saul's use of the appellation Lord here has to mean that he realizes it is the God, the God of the Bible that Saul knows of so well, because although the Greek could be used just to express reverence and respect to a supreme master, Saul, as a Pharisee devoted to the law, would only address God in this way. He wouldn't just call anybody this. So he is recognizing that it is God speaking to him. But he is also confused as to how this applies to his persecuting people. So he asks, who are you, basically? It seems more like, I know you are God, but I'm obviously missing something about who you are. And the Lord gets right to the point, I am Jesus. It has always awed me that Jesus here speaks so personally of his followers here. If they are persecuted, so is he. And it reminds you of Paul later talking about the church as Christ's body, uh, such as in 1 Corinthians 12.27 and Ephesians 4.12. One of the commentaries that I referred to points out that there is no horse mentioned here. There's a lot of art that shows Saul falling off a horse, but nowhere in any of the times that this experience of his is mentioned is a horse mentioned. And is also noteworthy that God doesn't have to wait until Saul is in a synagogue or praying somewhere. He just meets Saul at the right time to get the job done, to communicate with him in a way that he thinks will influence him appropriately. It's not mentioned here in this account in Acts 9 that Saul saw Jesus, but if you read Acts 22.14, when Ananias is telling the story, he says that Saul saw the righteous one. And then also in Acts 26, verses 9 through 18, Saul also, who was calling himself Paul by that time, also recounts this experience and mentions the phrase, isn't it hard to kick against the goads, which is not mentioned in chapter 9 in the World English Bible main text, but is in a footnote. So clearly part of the scriptural account. And this is a picture of the degree of Saul's stubbornness in admitting the evidence that is clearly showing the truth. I noticed right away that Saul is directed to connect with other people of the church. They are given the role of answering his prayers by just showing up. That's what Ananias was supposed to do first, praying for his healing, and even verifying his appointment that he's chosen by God for a special mission. But I think that Ananias calls him Brother Saul here because they are both Jews. Because if you read Acts 22.16, it is Ananias later who gives Saul the final call to action and says, Why do you wait? Arise, be baptized, and wash your sins away by calling on the name of the Lord. So contrary to how the story is usually told, Saul was not saved on the road to Damascus. That's not where he was born again. That's just where he actually began to seek and recognize the truth. And he actually did not 
get born again and get baptized until after he got healed. Now, the vision of Ananias is an example of even in such miraculous communication, God is calling and then he is waiting for people to respond. Ananias had to answer him. The Lord waits for Ananias to recognize that he is being called before he continues with instructions. And what a terrifying honor for Ananias. If God truly finds you trustworthy, he may ask you to do some hard things. Now, right off, Saul's suffering is made clear to him what he is going to suffer. This is not a pie-in-the-sky conversion. When Saul chose Jesus, he even knew more clearly than the Twelve Apostles what he was getting into. I looked up the word that is translated as scales, as, as scales falling off of his eyes, and it was translated as a flake or something peeling off, and this seems to be metaphorical of his finally seeing the truth. And note that when it says the disciples at Damascus, this is not speaking of the apostles here. This means any of those who are learning of and following Jesus. One thing you can say about Saul is he acts on his convictions. After he's born again, he immediately goes out to proclaim in the synagogues, and he got better at it, and he became more powerful. The same Greek root there that is used for the word strength is where the word dynamite comes from. And so naturally, he gets put on the hit list. The Jews at Damascus plot to kill him, but he escapes in a basket. A person does not need to stay around and be persecuted. Also, Saul already had disciples, those learning from him about Jesus, as it mentions in verse 25. It looks like Barnabas is the first of the disciples in Jerusalem to accept Saul, probably the same Barnabas that is mentioned in Acts 4.36, known as the son of encouragement. In verse 27, we're getting a little bit of a summary of what did happen to Saul on the road to Damascus, and it uses the phrase, he had spoken to him. And this seems to be referring back to the Lord who was mentioned previously in the sentence. And again, the Hellenists are Hebrews who were of the Greek culture and language, and so they could be called that whether they became believers, as mentioned in Acts 7, or not. Galatians chapter 1 verse 18 is helpful in understanding verse 28 here, because in Galatians it says that it was three years before Saul went to Jerusalem, that he was only 15 days in Jerusalem with the apostles, and then it was only Peter and James. And then uh, 2 Corinthians 11.32 does also tell of him escaping from Damascus in the basket. Then because these Jews, these Hellenists, are trying to kill him, Saul is basically sent home. He is Saul or Paul of Tarsus, and Acts 22.3 verifies that he was born there. And Galatians 2.1 says it was 14 years before he goes to Jerusalem again with Barnabas, and we'll see that come up in Acts 11.25. In verse 31 of Acts 9, it indicates that just because of Saul's change of heart, things seem to be more peaceful for a while for the Christians. And then the scene switches to Peter in verse 32, who was traveling about. According to the American Bible Society Atlas, Lydda is somewhat northwest of Jerusalem, about 30 miles, and Joppa is another 10-ish miles 
over west on the coast. And both are technically in the land of Judea in the time of Jesus. You can see this on page 47, map 56. Then we come to Aeneas. He seems to not have been paralyzed or lame from birth since he is a man and it's only been eight years, though I'm sure they were eight long years to him. It doesn't say how or why Peter found this man, but Peter's obviously going around talking about Jesus and looking for ways to spread the gospel. And this man's healing caused all in that town and in the region of Sharon to turn to the Lord. Then in Joppa, it is the raising from the dead of Tabitha, also known as Dorcas, that results in many believing. My World English Bible footnote says that Dorcas means gazelle in Greek, and then Strong's lexicon says that Tabitha means gazelle in Aramaic. So hence you have that wording Tabitha translated to Dorcas, which doesn't do us much good unless we look up what those words mean in the Aramaic and the Greek. Now, she was already a disciple. It's not clear how long she was dead, but the way the story is presented, it's long enough that they had washed her, put her in a room, and then sent for Peter. That's how it comes across to me. And then Peter approaches the situation much like Jesus did in Mark 5, verses 38 through 43, when Jesus is with the daughter, the deceased daughter of the ruler of the synagogue. The way that the account speaks of Peter praying, it seems like he is possibly seeking direction, but then once he gets it, he says, come on, Tabitha, get up. As David Gusick says in his study guide, Tabitha wasn't raised for herself. I'm sure she was just fine, but she was raised for others. And then you have the question of why her, but not Stephen or maybe later James. They could seem to be more important men to the church, but so that's a bit mysterious to us. Um, even from a Jewish perspective, after all, she was just a woman. So maybe it's supposed to send a message to the church that way. In verse 41, it says that he called the saints and the widows. Now, this is apparently the first time this uh, designation of saints is used. This is the same Greek word that is used to describe the Holy Spirit because it means set apart. Uh, dedicated to the gods. And it doesn't, for Christians here, it doesn't mean by their own righteousness, but obviously by the blood of Jesus Christ and sealed with the Holy Spirit. Now, why it says saints and widows, it could be that not all of the widows were saints, or maybe they are given special mention as a group. Then in verse 43, we are told that Peter goes to stay with Simon the Tanner. Again, referring to David Gusick's study guide, He says that a tanner, someone who processes leather, would be working with dead animals and by the laws of the time had to live 75 feet out of town because they were a state in constant uncleanness according to the law. So Peter hasn't yet seen his vision of the sheet telling him that foods, various foods are okay to eat, but he seems to have some increased understanding of how the law is fulfilled, and he is perfectly fine staying with Simon the Tanner, who will get mentioned again in Acts chapter 10. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey.